Konichiwa, America. It is the Loftus Party. I chose Konichiwa because I'm lazy, and I didn't want to think of a new one. It's the Loftus Party. You found it. Uh, great show today. Wonderful show today. We've got uh, we got Andrew Apple here. Say hello, Andrew. I'm actually podcasting from a small bunker in a hidden location that I can't tell anyone where it is because the world is coming to an end. <laughs> Uh, that's great. And we're also joined by Stacy Lennox. Stacy, say hello. Hello, Michael. Hello, Andrew. It's w- w- there's so much to cover. I love it. Uh, last week's show was fantastic. We're gonna we're gonna recreate that. No one go off script. We have to stick to the script. <laughs> we got... I didn't get the script. Oh damn it! Now we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to improvise. What the hell are we gonna do now? There's so much big news. Um, the Milwaukee thing. There was riots in Milwaukee last night. Guess what I'm going to do with that big story? What's that, Michael? Ignore it. I'm going to ignore it completely. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, you know what? I'm going to start judging things before I know the facts. I'm just going to jump on board with that whole bandwagon. I find it to be ridiculous. Now, let me get this straight. And Stacy uh, and Andrew, maybe you guys know more about this. I woke up this morning. Uh, somebody blew up a BP station. A BP station in Milwaukee. Oh, and burned down a beauty supply store. Yeah, poor building. I saw pictures of people running out of a beauty salon with handfuls of weave kits. Like, I guess a cop, and this is horrible. This is horrible, and I, I already have guilt because I'm laughing about it. And it's horrible because someone's dead. A, a cop pulled somebody over. The guy had a handgun. He had, he was a, he was a, he was a, a, a suspect in some kind of crime or I don't know. He's running away. He's got a handgun in his hand. Uh, the police shot him, and now we're rioting because that's not justice. Okay, here here's my commentary to the whole thing. Okay. My commentary looks something like this. When you are pulled over by the police, whether you're a woman, a man, white, black, brown, yellow, purple, You put your hands on the steering, you roll down your window, put your hands on the steering wheel and wait to see what they would like to talk to you about. If you wouldn't run away, you wouldn't run away with a handgun. You certainly wouldn't run away and like point the the thing backwards or whatever, you know, whatever else or rush a cop or do whatever. Chances are you won't get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the the video where the cop pulls over the black couple and he's going to give them like coupons for ice cream? Mm -hmm. Did you see that? Yep. And now yep. when the cop when the cop is approaching the vehicle, both the driver and the passenger have their hands like in their laps. I'm mm-hmm. like, good Lord, it's old fashioned. It's from like 1952. But here's the deal, America. Listen up. Uh, when the police pull you over, imagine your steering wheel is like an old timey radio or, or, or a clock rather, you know, well, the kind with hands. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. People get to be, uh, they're a lot less nervous when, when they, when they know that you don't have a gun. I can't, I can't, I can't believe it. Well, and I, I think if, if we would change the focus of the conversation to compliance with law enforcement and, you know, picking the appropriate examples of maybe things that are going wrong in that whole thing, this whole movement would have a lot more credibility, but I, I can't. I can't get all on board with what you're trying to say when you look at the vast majority of the situations that have occurred. Like Eric Garner, I'm kind of on board with. I don't know why the cops in New York City are acting as tax collectors. Um, There was a whole bunch of different ways that could have gone down. But when you start looking at a lot of these situations, you know, the young woman who leveled a shotgun and 
in her apartment after a standoff and you look at the video of her. Um, what what do you expect law enforcement officers to do? Because as a legal gun owner, if somebody levels a gun at me and I'm armed, I'm going to level a gun back and likely shoot. Um, I don't know why we expect. Yeah. I've said it before on the flip side and I'll say it again uh, now. If cops were roaming the streets assassinating people, I would be the first guy in line at, at that protest march. And that's well, why I'm all for the cameras. Guy. Bring more cameras, more cameras, more cameras. If cops are assassinating people, we gotta we gotta get them out of the police force. However, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. And every bit of data that's been collected, Michael, would say you are 100% correct. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. Although it's fun to protest, I gotta see. Here's the thing: I can see the appeal to Black Lives Matter. I really can. When I was in college, oh my lord, I love to protest. It's like a rite of passage. Get out there. You're gonna like. I want people to solve the world's problems. Absolutely. However, uh, there's got to be a real problem to solve. Can I ask you a question? Because I'm curious. Sure. When you were in college, what did you protest? Oh my gosh, there was some there was some street preacher. This is so boring and so pedestrian. There was like this horrible street preacher who would bring like these two girls, we don't know if it was his daughter or one was his wife and one was his daughter, and they would literally like drag these like homemade crucifixes around like full-on crosses, like like giant crosses. They'd drag them onto the oval at Ohio State. And this guy would start talking about you're a fornicator and you're going to hell and this and that. And uh, and a bunch of people would gather around that dude and scream like it would just make a difference. And I thought I was super clever and like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to start quoting the Bible. And so uh, whatever, just a giant waste of time. And then, giant waste of time. Yeah, and then there was another thing. I can't remember. I was probably pretty wasted. <laughs> but we got maced. We got There was tear gas and stuff. I forget. I can't even remember what we were. But it was fun. It's fun when, you know, you and your friends are out there and there's hundreds, maybe a thousand people. And this, they're shutting down streets and all of a sudden tear gas is flying around. And what you're doing is super important. And rah! It's, it's fantastic. But you know who protesting is not working out so well for on college campuses today? Who? The administration, because what we are finding in, in, in a study that's been done recently, alumni giving has plummeted as a result of some of these campuses like um, Amherst, Yale, and other folks being so politically correct to accommodate the little buttercups that are in college today that alumni is like, no, I, I'm not going to give to this institution that totally obliterates free speech. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's awesome. When, you know, like, what was the college that, like, that, like they were in at? George Will was going to come and give a, a talk about how freedom of speech is important. And then students protested and George, <laughs> George Will wasn't allowed to give his, like, yeah, you can't donate to that university. That's happened to Milo. That's happened to, to um, Ben Shapiro. That's happened to any number of folks. Um, who's the one, the, the woman who speaks out against radical Islam? Um, Haisani, or she was coming to talk about, you know, women's women being abused in radical Islam, and they booted her. Yeah. And she's she's Muslim. <laughs> I mean, the way that the college campuses are dealing with divergent points of view 
is just, I mean, it, it's incredible. It's really incredible. And now the alumni who may have graduated anywhere from, I mean, the stories they gave were people who graduated anywhere from 1960 to 1992 are like, no, this is not what college is supposed to be out. You're supposed to be exposed to different ideas so you can make up your mind about what you really believe before you go out into the world. And yeah. colleges are just shutting that down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who wins that that battle ultimately because, I mean, it's capitalism big time. You know, hit them, hit them in their wallets. Mm -hmm. Stop giving, stop giving, you stop supporting, and suddenly they'll, they'll find that freedom of speech is important again. Well, ultimately, um, I mean, there's no good solution to any of this because the school needs alumni to donate, but they also need students to show up. And unfortunately, what we're most likely going to see is colleges are initially going to kowtow to the alumni because they're the ones who are giving money, and then students aren't going to want to go to that school, and we're going to see universities closing because of that. Yay! Yay! Bye-bye, university. Bye-bye, piece of shit, university. There'll, a new one will pop up. A new one will pop up. The, the market will regulate it. Everybody wants to go to college. Isn't it going to be free in a couple of days anyway? Don't you oh, stop. Wait? Isn't oh. Hillary still talking about free college? Oh, Hillary's talking about free college. You've got a lot of people talking about relieving student debt. And here's my thing. Stop saying everyone needs to go to college. They don't. <laughs> I, Somebody should go learn how to be the best plumber in the world and be the best at customer service as a plumber and build their own business. You don't need to go to college to be a plumber. Or an electrician or an auto repair guy or anything that we really need in this country from a skills base. And those I'm just auto, tired those of Those auto them. repair dudes are going to go under. Those little mom and pop auto repair shops, those people better start learning a new skill set because the way they're building cars now, you have to take it to the dealership. It's crazy. Like 10 huh. years ago, I just, I just bought a new car. Uh, 10 years ago... This car, this make and model car would have like one computer on board. Nowadays, it has seven computers. There are seven different computers that make my car go. You can't fix that yourself. Well, it's you can't fix that yourself, but I mean, the way we work is changing and technology is invading everything. So yes, you probably need to be more computer savvy because somebody at the dealer is fixing those cars. Oh, you yeah. probably need to be more computer savvy and maybe have some level of programming ability to be an auto repair person right now. But at the same time, those skills and those jobs still exist. And we're telling all these kids in high school, and I have kids at and about that age, um, you have to go to college to make a living. And, and really, that's not true. <laughs> not true at you all. You got to follow your dream. I'm conflicted about this one. Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs did like a YouTube thing where he's like, the big joke, like, don't, he's saying, don't follow your dream. Don't follow your dream. Get us, get a, he's like, you know, get a steady job, get a good job, learn a trade, and then dream on your off time. And I don't want to tell my kids not to follow their dream, but I tell you what, I, I do want to tell them to like, make sure you got a job waiting for you. Like, well, you know, my grandfather. I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that tired guy who's like, oh, you got a degree in owl, po owl poetry and blah blah, and now you can't find a job because everybody knows that's you know that's the truth. But not everyone's getting a degree in owl poetry. Some people, I. I don't know. I, here's my solution to all of this. And I really, I really, really believe this. Capitalism, 
free markets. When people realize, holy shit, I cannot get a job. I cannot. You have to go do something else. Like the greatest, uh, the greatest proponent of capitalism uh, was the Great Depression. The, the the Great Depression. People like, you know what? I can't. I can't count on this job. I have to make my own job. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to go out on a limb and be an entrepreneur. Starting a small business is is the key to everything. It is the engine that drives our country. And if we fuck up small businesses. It is. It's game set and match. It's over. It's over. There are a few other and, steps we need to take. Actually, I think that it's criminal that computer science isn't recognized in our schools. That's what we should be teaching our kids. Because if you want to help them start a small business, like we just said, they need to know technology. If we're teaching fourteen-year-olds how to program a computer, they're going to be able to start that small business a whole heck of a lot easier, and they'll probably we be are. able to do it without college. No, we're not. And yeah, well, I don't know where your kids are going to school, but uh, my <laughs> kids are learning how to do that. Uh, they're actually taking computer science courses right now? Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's part of the curriculum. My my uh, 14-year-old is writing code. He and his buddies are designing video games. They're learning how to do all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. Well, you guys yeah. are the exception as opposed to the rule, so I'm actually glad to hear that's happening. Well, in, in, in our local high school, the kids that come out of high school with a really good paying job we have one of the best welding programs in the state and there is not a kid that goes through that trade that doesn't have a job when they leave high school i a tell you know who, job. there was a dude a million years ago i worked in a restaurant this seafood restaurant i was a waiter it was awesome and there was this guy who would shuck oysters right and i would always pay him extra money to like keep the really good ones set to the side for me so i was so, I, so when I went to the table, I'd be like, hey, look at these oysters. And so I'd make more money. Anyway, everyone would make fun of this oyster shucker guy because he was going to devry, right? Everyone would mock him. I never did. I never jumped on that bandwagon. The instant he graduated from devry, he got a ginormously great paying job. And he told everyone at the restaurant to kiss his ass. <laughs> but like... People make fun of DeVry, and, and I tell you what, I for one welcome our new robot overlords, and we need we need people to service them. Yeah, I, I saw earlier that um, the guy who was R2-D2, I guess, speaking of robot oh, overlords. Yeah, that was sad. Oh, you're, Kenny you're, Baker. You're about to make me sad. I am such a girl, I didn't know that anyone played R2-D2. Get off this the podcast, first... Stacy. <laughs> yeah, you are. There's the door, woman. Don't let it hit I you. I knew the there ass. was a Darth Vader, and I knew there was a Chewbacca, but I honestly didn't know anyone was inside. Okay, hold on. R2-D2. Okay, so it, it, it's 1975, 76 that they're shooting this. I, I want to know how did you think that that little R two D two was moving around? I had no clue. I just I did not know that there was a person actually doing that. Yes, Stacy, there was. <laughs> R2-D2 was a person. He was also a remote control thing, but he, when he would shake back and forth, there was a guy inside there. Little little Kenny Baker, God bless him. He had a huge career. He had a giant career. He was oh, in a yeah. ton of movies. Really? No. See, I go into these movies, and I just go in with complete suspension of belief, have since I was a kid, you know, and I was honestly shocked. Well, that's good. Now, 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 you know, you find out just a little bit too late that little that I keep calling him little Kenny Baker, but he was a little person. Yeah. Kenny Baker passed away. 81 years old. He had a good life. Yeah. He had a good life. 
Yeah, and Rogue One's coming in December. Have you seen the trailer? Okay. I, I, and this this is like I'm going to steer it. I'm total geek mode here, right? Yep. Whoever directed Rogue One, I don't know who it is, but they did an awesome job of making uh, the Star Destroyers, those big wedge-shaped uh, ships that the Empire uses, he made them look huge. They looked huge. absolutely ginormous. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the Death Star come up over the horizon, it looks unbelievably huge to the point where I think he might have gone too far because, like, when I see the trailer of it, the Death Star is so big. I'm like, there's no way you could blow that thing up. There is no way. He he did such a good job. He made the first Star Wars with Mark Hamill. Like, fucking unbelievable. <laughs> well, I know, but doesn't that just give you the whole, like, David versus Goliath, like, ominous? Oh, big time. Like, big yeah. Time. I mean, I think, like, the, the hugeness of it in the trailer was kind of like, ooh. Oh, it, it was great. You know, I, I missed. I'm. I, I, of course, saw all three of the original Star Wars multiple times to the point where I could quote the first one almost verbatim. Um, yeah. I kind of missed the ones in the middle there, but I'm getting kind of excited about this new series. Oh, so, big time. Yeah. Listen, Disney has a that's just a that's just a money machine. They're going to have a new Star Wars movie coming out every year until the end of time. It's it's going to be completely awesome. This is the golden age of comic book movies and sci-fi. You can do whatever you want. Has anyone seen The Suicide Squad? Yes. I saw the trailer. Jared Leto's creepy. It was Yeah. It was very good. It you know what? This movie hasn't gotten a fair shake uh in my opinion. I didn't think it was the greatest comic book movie ever, but it was a really entertaining movie and it was really well done. This is one of the cases where you can tell that there was studio interference uh in this movie. And David Ayer who knows how to do this kind of movie he went in and he created this fantastic ensemble, and then the studio came in and said, no, we need more CGI. And Michael, guess what the worst part of this movie was? What? The CGI. <laughs> I See, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's, that's interesting. My, my take on it was it was like enough with the, the goofy one-liners. Enough with the goofy one-liners. And then, as a as a storyteller and as a writer, I at 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 the end of the movie, I'm like, why? Why are they doing this? Like, why? I know they they whatever. I don't want to do any spoilers or anything. But here's the deal: if if you're going to do, there was a great movie a long long time ago. Everybody needs to go watch it. It's called The Dirty Dozen. Mm-hmm. It was one of the it was one of the original. Here's a band of misfits who get coerced by the government to go on a one way mission, uh, and the whole thing is a giant redemption story. They find out uh, they find out at the end of Act Two uh, that there is no coming back, and the the expectation is they will all die, and if they all fail, well then they'll get blamed for it. And it's a wonderful story, and people have been redoing the Dirty Dozen for a million years, and that's what that's what this was supposed to be. But like Will Smith's character, I'm like, I, I don't know what what like. And are are they saving the world or are they not saving the world? And I just bleh. Well, and uh, then too many goofy too many goofy one liners. I know they went back and they did a bunch of reshoots, but like 
every, every moment, 99% of the time that that uh, actress who played Harley Quinn opened her mouth, it was some like little one-liner, and then you cut to a close-up of Will Smith. Here's my one-liner. Back to Harley Quinn. Here's my one-liner. It was just really mind-numbing for a while. However, I liked it more than I liked Batman. <laughs> Well, that, well that, that, that's like... not saying much, to be honest. I mean, that's like saying that you enjoy getting a haircut more than you like getting a vasectomy. Well, I, t- I oh, I'll, oh, I'll take, I'll take the haircut oh. any any day of the week. I'm gonna give. You know what I watched? I don't know if I said this last week. I watched uh, Batman versus Superman, the the director's cut of that. Yeah. Uh, and that is a it's a better movie by a little bit, not by much, uh, but by a little bit. Well, you know what'll make it all better. What's that? A Hillary Clinton presidency. No, no. What? When Meryl Streep plays Batman. Yeah, what is going on there? Tell me about that. I don't know. She was on Reddit with another actor, and somebody said, hey, would you like to play Batman? And she said, I'm all there. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, no, you would be Batwoman. Batwoman. And then, like, within 24 hours, it comes out that Anne Hathaway and I think Sandra Bullock and a couple other are remaking Ocean's Eleven with an all-female cast. Because that worked out so well with Ghostbusters. No, and Stacey, you and I are actually on different pages on this right now because that actually looks pretty cool. Because they've got a whole bunch of actresses. They're going to be kicking ass. They're not remaking Ocean's Eleven. They're doing an Ocean's Eleven-style story with a group of females. So it's more like The Expendables, but it's its own thing. It just happens to be with women. My problem with Ghostbusters was they tried to do the exact same thing, but turn it into a gross-out comedy. And it was a mess. This looks like it's going to be fun. Well, I'll keep an open mind about it, but when you start already saying, here's this movie that's going to be this, but all girls, the reaction is just going to be, eh, guys, write new stories. I mean, to me, this is no different than Star Trek in making Sulu gay and everybody freaking out over Captain America and why can't he and, and what's the other, the Winter Soldier's name. Bucky. Why can't why can't we just leave it open so we can imagine? We have characters and scripts that have been around forever. Stop retweaking. Stop recycling. Write new stories. Write new characters. That's all I'm asking for. Diversity's great. Just stop pulling the levers on things that have existed. Well, and I we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree right now because, and I'm I'm actually uh, going to quote a very talented writer I know named Michael Loftus, where he once what? said, "Yes, uh, he once said uh, the new Odd Couple is okay, but I like the last time they remade the Odd Couple when it was called Two and a Half Men." That's true. I said that, and Two and a Half yes, Men sir. was one of the biggest sitcoms ever. It's a huge hit. It did amazing things for everyone involved. But it was basically the the exact same story. Here's the problem problem with the all-girls Ghostbusters, and here's the problem with the all-girls Ocean Eleven spinoff. It needs to be a good movie first. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't like say, "Hey, it's the it's the it's the all girls Ghostbusters." Just like, "Hey, we're making a new Ghostbusters movie," right? Like nobody's freaking out that, "Oh my gosh, they put a girl in the lead of the new Star Wars movie, and now they're doing Rogue One that that has a a girl and like nobody gives two shits if it's a good movie. Exactly. It just has to be a good movie and a good story. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the new Ghostbusters was not a good story. I walked out after 45 minutes of it. You know who should open up a movie studio? Michael Loftus. Well, that would be awesome. Dolly Parton. I bet Dolly Parton has better ideas about, seriously, seriously, like 9 to 5 was a great movie. That's just an, that's just a, it's just a great movie and, and, and a great song. And like, why doesn't Dolly Parton make more movies? Not like, not be in them, but she should, she should bankroll some. Well, she's bankrolling a lot. I mean, she's got like a whole amusement park up in Tennessee and her hometown has been turned into this thing where you can go. And I, I, I think she's like semi-retired at this point. She's made a lot of bank. I, mean, I got a, I got 10 bucks that says she's voting for Donald Trump. Really? Yeah. Actually, I yeah, bet if you were, I could see that. I bet if you're a fly, if you're a fly on the wall when she goes in to cast her ballot, I bet old Dolly is going to vote for Trump. Well, if she lived in California, we wouldn't have to guess because you go into separate booths, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you'd know. I think that I think they change it for the actual presidential thing. But yeah, the when when I was voting in the primary, it was like, wow, you everyone knew exactly who you were voting for. That was yeah. that was creepy and wrong. Write down that Loftus guy. He's a problem. <laughs> yeah, watch out. He's an he's a free thinker. Watch out. Uh, Watch out. Um, so yes, when I and I think well, the reason I think Dolly would, uh, ha ha, Dolly would, why why she would <laughs> vote for Donald Trump is uh, because of the tax policies. I tell you what, Hillary Clinton, uh, her her economic plan uh, is just frightening. It's just absolutely frightening. And we're not. I was on this show on XM Radio. I was on the Steel and Unger whatever report or whatever they call it. It's actually, it's uh, called Steel and Unger. That's all it's called. Great show. There you go. Uh, Michael Steele was busy. He was at some award ceremony. So I was, I was sitting in for Michael Steele and Rick Unger, who used to be a, a big muckety muck at Marvel comic. And he's a very smart dude. And uh, he's a liberal and I was the right wing guy. Uh, we were talking about the, the tax policies and, and he was like, well, Hillary Clinton's going to, you know, she and Donald Trump, they both want to spend money on infrastructure, but at least uh, w- with uh, with Hillary Clinton, we know how she's going to raise the money. We know how she's going to raise the money. And he ke- he goes off on this really long thing about how awesome it is that she's going to raise this money. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, what are we paying taxes for now? Like, I think we're so far through the looking glass here. People don't even know why they're paying taxes. Well, there's zero transparency as to where your tax dollars go. I mean, I read something at the beginning of the election when uh, Carly Fiorina and a couple other small government folks were in it where there is no accounting in Washington, D.C. of how many federal agencies there actually are. And all of those agencies are paid for with tax dollars. I mean, it really – there's been a few times when I started doing the Flipside TV show and learning more about this and, and digging down, I guess, as they would say on NBC. Like, the more I learn, the more I'm concerned. Like, the basic argument for big government, little government, all that stuff is really being lost in the mix because people just assume, well, the government's going to take all this money out of my paycheck and things are just going to magically, mystically get better. Like, there's so many just bizarre, mysterious taxes. Nobody knows where the fuck this money is going. It's it's outrageous. Like, I thought that was like basic civics, right? I make a couple bucks. I give the government uh, a little bit of that. They provide me with roads, and they protect the borders. Like, the very 
basics of a government, we're not doing that now. Well, we're not doing that, and we're doing a whole bunch of things that the government just shouldn't be doing. I mean, not the federal government anyway. You know, there's some things that could go to the states and, and the locales, but when you take a look at, at tax policy, um, you know, it's it's really gotten to the point where you're taxed in so many different ways. So let's not raise the federal income tax. Let's put a tax on your telecommunications provider. Let's put a tax on your internet provider. Um, let's put a tax on the guy who runs the auto repair shop so that every time he has to dispose of your oil, the consumer is paying a tax. I don't even think most Americans understand in total how many taxes they actually pay in total dollars. They really don't. And and here's a crazy one that I just, I'm, I'm living in Long Island now. I'm working on this other TV show. I go to gas up my car the other day. This is the car with, uh, with seven computers on it. I go to gas it up. The price of gas is $2.17. Not so, bad. Uh, uh, I put in my credit card and my little debit card deal, and I start gassing it up. And I notice on the pump it says that I'm paying two twenty-seven per gallon. And so uh, as I'm like trying to figure out, you know, did I accidentally buy ultra premium or some shit? There's a little sticker on there that goes, "Hey, if you use a credit, a credit or a debit card, you pay a dime more a gallon." And I'm like. And I asked Rick Unger, and this we had this like guest economist uh, who phoned in on the show. I'm like, where does that money go? Where does that money go? And nobody knows. Nobody knows where the gasoline tax goes. Well, and you're, nobody knows. You're, you're rightfully upset about that one, actually, because that's about a billion dollars every year that ends up going to the federal government. That's supposed to go to infrastructure, but a third of that ends up being put in other other places. Yeah. And this is another, this is just another laugh riot. This is just another laugh riot. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, right? She's like, Wall Street, these rich fat cats on Wall Street got to start paying their fair share. And evidently they they know she's lying about that because they pay her like a, a million dollars to give a speech. And then everybody's like, what'd you say in your speech? She's like, you don't need to know. So she's not going to release those speeches. So she blames the big banks for everything. The big banks are the problem. These fat cats and their big banks. And they're like, well, how are you going to pay for all this infrastructure, Hillary? She's like, I'm going to start a new bank. <laughs> oh, dear God. I swear to God. She's going to start an infrastructure bank. That is her solution. <sighs> well, here, here's my question on Hillary's tax plan. And that this is always kind of because we said Dolly, right? would probably yeah. vote for Trump because of his tax plan, because she's a wealthy woman. And, yeah. you know, they probably already take a lot of money from her. You guys live in L.A. What I don't understand is the Brad Pitts of the world and the Angelina Jolie's and, you know, the Will Smith's getting up there and like, yeah, we want to pay more money. I mean, you, you have a bunch of wealthy people in the greater L.A. area, and it seems like those who are on screen or on television are just like, yeah, we'll pay more. Well, that's the same thing with Warren Buffett. There is a certain level of personal wealth. You get so wealthy that you don't care about money, right? You're just like, I'm super rich. I should be paying more. And to all those people who say that, I invite them pay more like Please. you always have these you always have these like conservative people like how dare leonardo dicaprio tell me about global warming when he has a private jet well i'm like blah blah i don't give two shits about that but when when i see like warren buffett on stage with hillary going i don't pay enough tax 
Well, write a check, you old piece of shit. And whenever some, <laughs> whenever some Hollywood fat cat is like, I'm not paying enough. Well, then pay more. No one's stopping you. Get out your checkbook and go. I've got a great idea. Let's lower everyone else's taxes, and then they could put a checkbox on the form. If you would like to donate more to the federal government, please check this box and fill out the amount and see how many people actually do it. Can't, uh, you, yeah, you don't even have to check the box. Just when the, when, the, when the federal government says, hey, your personal wealth is like $2 billion and, uh, and you owe this, you, you owe $200,000 in tax, just instead of writing a check for $200,000, write them a check for a million. So Nobody's you know what? Gonna I'm going to stop you. That's right. I bet that shit gets cashed. I bet they cash it just the same. Well, but here's the thing that nobody ever talks about, right? So the rich don't pay their fair share, da, 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 da. Forever and for always, as the progressive tax structure has been put into place, the top 20% of earners pay 80% of the taxes. That's just a go. fact. That's why Bernie used to drive me nuts screaming about the 1%, the 1%. Well, the percentage that the 1% actually pay for federal tax receipts is some portion of that 80% and it's bigger than everybody else's percent because the tax hey, structure I'm, is progressive. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up that name cuz I owe that guy an apology, Bernie Sanders, right? Okay. I was like, I was I was I started bad-mouthing Bernie Sanders before I had all the facts because he just he and his old lady uh <laughs> He and his wife, uh, they just bought a big six hundred thousand uh, dollar house on some mm-hmm. lake. Yes, they right? did. Right, and uh, that's not through like ill-gotten gains or whatever. That that's uh, that's that she sold a piece of property that was like in her family for generations, and so they used the money from that the sale of that property to buy their third house. But they have three houses, and she was a college president that, like, lost the college she was president of $200,000. I mean, here's a guy who's yelling about the 1%, right, and how we've all got to give more, all got to give more, and he buys a $600,000 house, not just as his home, but as his third home. You know, right. I think you can still bash him a little bit, and I actually recommend it. I think I read it had four bedrooms that he hand out three of those bedrooms to people who are living below the poverty level. Show us that how would committed be he is. Yeah, how many houses do you need? Maybe he just gives, uh, maybe just gives a poor person a house. How much of your personal property, Mr. Sanders, would you like us to reallocate or redistribute to those who are less fortunate? My bet is the answer is zero. That is correct. That Socialism's is correct. just for the little people. I tell you what, it is, uh, it is, nobody likes socialism. Nobody. Nobody likes it. Actually, did you read this morning in Venezuela that things have gotten so bad there that uh, it's caused malaria to return? Really? Yeah, Yeah. and they're forcing people to work in labor camps for farms because the food supply has been devastated. Yeah, what's happening there is the only way people can really make any money is by selling gold on the black market. So people are panhandling for gold, and because they're going into these swampy rivers, they actually found that there's a strain of malaria in the mosquitoes there, and it's now being transferred back into humans. Oh, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Well, at least there's no like big event down in South America oh, where people are coming from around the globe all in one. Like, has are there have, have there any been, been any Zika cases in the Olympics yet, or, or is it too early to tell? Too early. I haven't to tell. heard that, 
haven't heard that, but I did hear the pools turned green because some genius down in Brazil dumped a bunch of hydrogen peroxide into the pools rather than chlorine, and it negated <laughs> the germ-killing effects of the chlorine. <laughs> so, like, the entire algae bloomed and the entire pools were green. That's so, lovely. I mean... Who knows what they were swimming around in from an algae perspective. And then our, um, not Michael Phelps, who, hey, moms, dads, the argument that, hey, if you smoke dope, you're never going to do anything real. Um, Michael Phelps just blew that out of the water, forgive the pun. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you take a look at this, we just had a swimmer, Ryan Lochte. So Michael Phelps's, you know, com- competition buddy. there. His number his old, one rival. His old buddy. His number one rival was held at gunpoint after he was invited to a party by a Brazilian swimmer. Wow. Well, P- yeah. you know, hey, that's what happens. People are gonna people are gonna get ripped off. Here's what I know about the Olympics. Uh, you you have the Olympics in a super poor uh, super poor country. There's gonna be robberies. Uh, laptops are gonna go missing, and that you're gonna have a boatload of prostitutes going around. And if there are people who know how to get it on, it's Olympic athletes. I feel bad. I feel bad for those poor souls who were just outed by that. Was that a writer from Politico? No, it was actually no, the, it was Daily the Daily Beast. Beast. The Daily horrible. Beast. Yeah. What what a, what a jerk! What a complete and total jerk! So we he, should he actually a bunch of gay athletes. We we should clarify what he did. He went on Grinder around Rio and found that there were athletes, some of whom were actually married, that were on the app, and then he proceeded to out them in an article. But not only did he out them in an article, okay? Because I think a lot of times people who live in the U.S. tend to forget. Um, There are people there from all over the world, including people from countries where being gay can get you killed. And outing people is not something you just do. Number one, it's outing people is just horrid to begin with. People, People need to be able to do their life and the way they do them on their own. But I mean, to do this in the context of a global event, where you have countries that literally hang people for being gay um, that are participating there. There was no no reason to do it. It was pure clickbait, and he literally put people at risk. Now, isn't that one vote for uh, journalism is dead? I mean, doesn't just a, a basic... Just doesn't a basic human being know that you don't do that? Uh, Isn't that like journalism 101? I mean, I think it's a knock to journalistic ethics. But we also live in the blogosphere where anyone can be a journalist. And we can't really knock that because if that were the case, we wouldn't be able to try to save the party at the moment. Well, it's not. But what I'm saying is the Daily Beast is not a blog, okay? Gawker Gawker already got, you know, bludgeoned for doing this. You know, there there are there should be some standard in journalism in general, especially among a a, a brand. OK, not your typical, you know, dude the with dude, a computer. The dude needs to get fired. Agreed. Seriously. He I believe to that fired. they took the story down. But no, you got to fire the way I, there's the a way. Like, I, there's, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was going to say the way I understood it, he put the article up and it originally had names in it. And there was a Brazilian swimmer who is openly gay or I, he might not have been Brazilian. But there was a swimmer who's openly gay who absolutely went to town on this guy because he understood the potential implications. So then the Daily Beast takes the personal information out like that's any better. OK. And then finally took the article down altogether. 
but you know, I mean, it's how horrifying. did that even get through the editors? That's my other question. Where's the controls on this where an editorial staff is looking at it going, is this a smart thing to do? Because nobody cares. Journalism is dead. Journalism is dead. There was a dude in the New York Times uh, who recently wrote that it's impossible to be objective it, with the current uh, political field, and like about Hillary Clinton, it, it's it's impossible to be objective uh, about Donald Trump. I don't believe it's impossible to be objective about facts. So there is a fact out there right now that Hillary Clinton, okay, has an issue with email content, not her server and all that. You know that was bad enough, but email content that has come from the State Department and other places that shows people within the Clinton Foundation were emailing people at the State Department. There's no there's no inability to be objective about that. That happened. Yeah. So what what does that mean? Who got paid? That's all objective information. And I think what so many journalists, and this is why I respect Cheryl Ackeson. That's why I respect James Rosen. This is why I even respect Major Garrett with ABC. There are people out there, and Brett Bear too. I think Brett Bear from Fox News really tries to stick with fact-based journalism when he's doing special report. But there is a a section of journalism that's called hard news that it is not hard to be objective in. This is what happened. This is what it means. It, that's it, it's too funny because we brought it up. I, I brought this up on uh, Steel and Unger the other day, and Rick Unger, a super intelligent guy, he goes, "Well, it's 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 hard, but it's not impossible." Like like he was he was giving me that point. Like it's hard, but it's not impossible. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. Reporting the facts is is hard." No, but facts it's, are it's, facts. It's like it goes back. It goes back to the whole. People don't know where their tax dollars are being spent. We just assume blah 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 blah. And now we're at this uh, level of journalism where people are just like okay with just straight up lies. They're just okay, and that's the expectation. Well, I the, think the, the other the, thing that whole that whole Donald Trump thing with the the Second Amendment deal. I watched. Uh, I watched two hours of outrage by uh, the the crew on Morning Joe. Where they're like the Secret Service had to pull Donald Trump and talk to they had to pull Donald Trump aside. The Secret Service had to get in. And it never happened. It was completely made up. Well and that I person think needs too, to get fired. When I was a kid, right, you had like your morning variety news ish shows. So you had somebody at a news desk and then you had a bunch of lifestyle and you know, the Today Show was a good example. You know, you had Willard Scott, the fun weatherman. At some point with the 24-hour news cycle, that format, which I kind of think Morning Joe is, it's not a hard news program. People take it that way because they have forgotten what hard news actually looks like, the evening news when we were a kid. So you have people across the spectrum, whether it's Rachel Maddow, whether it's Sean Hannity, whether it's Judge Janine, people think that's news and it's not. Those are pundits and opinions. Oh my God! Have you seen the Judge Janine show? Oh my God! It's 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 so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. What's she doing now? I honestly haven't tuned it in. She opens up with like a three minute like outrage rant, like where she's like, "This can't." Mm -hmm. it, it's it's mm -hmm. just really it's embarrassing. I, I cringe. I, I can't. I haven't been able to watch a, a whole episode of it. Yeah, and oh I goodness. mean, it, to me. And and you and I have had this conversation, Michael, about other things. 
what the right and right-leaning media outlets have gotten so good at in the last eight years, and even a little bit before that, you know, maybe beginning with the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, is being angry. Being angry, being outraged. There's, there's an outrage machine on the right that is directing itself only to those people who already agree with them. And well, I think that's part of the problem the right has in getting its positive messages out. Well, it's sometimes it, it's it's hard not to be outraged. Like you do want to shake people and go, seriously, dude, are you cool with this? Like the people who like that they, they they read a, a, an editorial in the New York Times, like it's impossible, it's impossible to you know to be objective about this. Like no, no, it's not. And that like the fact that you feel like it's okay as a journalist to say that, like. I don't even like you're a, you're a tool. And the fact that like I don't know if, if people know that you know your tax dollars aren't going to education. That's why your school system sucks, people, because your taxes aren't going to the schools. That's all lottery money. And they and they the government is ripping you off on every level. And if you're okay with it, then you can't complain. You can't complain. No, and you, you just can't. want to shake them. You just want to grab them by their, their shoulders and like there's no way you can be cool with this. Have you ever thought about the estate tax? Like the estate tax is so outrageous, is so outrageous that you can work your ass off your entire life, put together uh, a million dollars or maybe just try to hold on to the family farm. And then all of a sudden your dad who inherited this farm from his dad, now all of a sudden, okay, your dad is dead and you've got this farm and we're going to come in and tell you the taxes you owe on this farm just because you're dad is dead. Now you, because someone died, now you owe taxes. How do you morally defend that? Well, but Michael, you you're, you're, you're also you're, you're falling into the trap right now of being upset. But that farm is probably not worth five point four million dollars. And anything under five point four million dollars is exempt from the estate tax. So you're right. There's a conversation to be had. But that farm and that family that's working to make a million dollars, they're not going to get hit with the estate tax. Andrew, and this is where this is where the anger comes from. So. You're okay with taking the money from somebody who has 5.5, 5.6? Like, who decides that number? Who decides what's fair? The reason that the estate tax exists is because we are a country that was founded on making sure that we don't have kings. We don't have aristocracy. That Okay, you're not stop allowed. talking. Stop talking right now because your party is anointing a queen. You have anointed a queen. You have you're taking uh you're taking part in a rigged election where a political party is saying, "Here's our queen, vote for her, you have no other choice." So if you're all about, "Hey America, you can't have an aristocracy," then uh then I guess you're against Hillary Clinton. I can count on you to vote for Donald Trump. And I actually I take a lot of issue with that because the way that the Republican Party has made their biggest mistake is in any other year, they would have been able to put someone up there who would have destroyed Hillary Clinton. But instead, you've got Donald Trump who has a lot of trouble staying on message, who's going to do what he's going to do, and then he comes out and he's saying, "Eh, if I lose, I'll leave." Well, I think you have to take a look at it in, in the context of a couple of different things, right? Um, Bernie Sanders 
had a great run and, and and the reason there was an attraction to Bernie Sanders in my mind and in my watching, like I agreed with nothing he said politically, but I would have a beer with him. Do you know why? Because he's a he's a good guy. I believe he really believes what he says. I believe he's somewhat genuine and somewhat authentic. Okay, so I think that's what attracted people to Bernie Sanders as a as an individual. And I think a lot of people who maybe thought they liked Bernie Sanders weren't really listening to what he was going to do from a policy perspective because he was kind of a breath of fresh air. Right. But when you take a look at the whole thing, and I truly believe this, we are so polarized as a nation left and right. And when you look at things like Twitter and Facebook and and all of the ways people can now participate in this process that they didn't really have even eight years ago when Obama was elected. I mean, some of these things were around, but they didn't have the the impact that they have today. Twitter's a fraud. Facebook is a fraud. Right. But when you when you look at all of that, who are the loudest voices on either side of the political spectrum? They are the far right and the far left. Okay, so Black Lives Matter has a huge voice. It's not really a big movement. All right. The the religious right, social conservative, you know, anti-abortion, this, that and the other thing on the right is not a huge piece of the party. But boy, you see a lot of traffic and a lot of discussion about it. What most Americans are, if you look at polling, about 60 percent of us, roughly, according to Gallup, who's been doing this for years and years and years. Right. We're fiscally conservative. In other words, let me keep my money. All right. Let the government do the things that the government needs to do. But stop all the other nonsense that Michael was talking about. And we're socially moderate. So we're not going to like take out the pitchforks over gay marriage. When you look at news coverage and you look at the way these things are covered by both the right leaning media and the left leaning media, you would think that as a nation, we're split about down the middle and ready to chop each other's heads off. And that's where I think the danger comes in, because one side in November is going to lose. And what happens then? Well, I hope all those people who feel disenfranchised, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, Oh, I think it's going to get a lot worse. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to get a lot worse. Uh, And 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 uh, (laughs) yeah, life under Hillary Clinton isn't going to get any better. It'll just be like a slow, a slow descent. You know, everybody's. We'll have a little bit more taken out of their taxes. We'll have a new infrastructure bank, and it'll just it'll just be slowly but surely just a little bit worse. Well, I think the other thing you have to look at is she's elected for four years. I truly believe that she ought to be easy to beat in four if she does win, and I'm not convinced she's going to. I think this whole election could turn if we have another terrorist attack in the U.S. I truly believe that. I think everyone is so emotional about their little piece or issue, right, that one thing could have a huge impact on the election. And it's not going to be what's in Hillary's emails from the State Department to the Clinton Foundation. And it's not going to be what Donald Trump says in a rally that's poorly worded that he doubles down on. It's going to be an event. Well, I disagree. I, I mean, anybody can hire more cops. That's all mm-hmm. Hillary say i'm gonna hire more cops i'm gonna hire more fbi agents i'm gonna do i'm gonna hire more i'm gonna start an fbi bank fbi bank it'll just be more (laughs) stupidity it's the economy it's all the economy and it's so and i think this is where a lot of the anger comes from it's just like it's it's so stupid the american economy is idiot proof all you have to do is do nothing stay out of the way and it'll be awesome 
1% growth ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. But economics are boring, and I am morally opposed uh, to stealing money. I, that's, it's my problem with the estate tax. It's my problem with big government taxes. It's like you're literally just stealing someone's money. Well, and, and not only that, if they didn't go like in the telecom taxes and other things to such great pains to hide it, you know, you actually have to read your phone bill, not just send it automatically when it comes into the bank to understand how much you're being taxed. And I and I think that is is really the problem. I mean, I, I love the idea. I love the idea. I think you would get over a lot of arguments to a lot of things if we just had the um, consumption tax where everybody be be you make your money legally or illegal whether you're here legally or illegally when you go to the grocery store you're going to pay a 22% tax on everything you buy everybody's paying and i think and whether you're Warren Buffett and you buy a half a million dollar yacht or whether you're me and you're looking at another Hyundai Excel okay whatever i buy and choose to buy i'm going to pay that 22% on andrew and I think- andrew I think we're going to have a very good time having this conversation when Gary Johnson makes it into the debate and he makes that same argument. Oh, and then and then explain to Stacy how this hurts the poor people. Are we are we getting into flat tax territory that I'm all for by the way. I'm all for the flat tax. Consumption is different because it's based on what you you actually buy and consume whereas a flat tax is based on what you make. Well, either way, I'm fine for both. I'm for both. Mm-hmm. Are you are you saying like what? No, no income tax, just straight up consumption tax. Yeah, that's what consumption. It's tax like a nas- is. It, it, It's a national sales tax, and that would uh, that replace means... income tax. Mm-hmm. And payroll tax and all that fun stuff. A consumption tax. I don't know if that would work. I don't know if that would work. Well, just think about it. So if you're in the thirty-nine percent tax bracket, right? And you get all that money back. It seems like then, a recipe. It seems like a recipe to steal shit. <laughs> like, a recipe. It's, instead of paying, instead of paying twenty two percent on a new TV, I'm gonna go fucking steal one and pay nothing. Like, like straight up nothing. And you do make a valid well, point that one of the concerns about it is that it then creates a black market where things are being sold underground with no consumption tax on it. Yeah. Well, the argument yeah. I have against the current system which, is it punishes people. Which, hold up, brings us full circle, which brings us full circle. We have come to a consumption tax, which brings us to a black market, which brings me to when you tax something too much, people sell shit on the black market, and all of a sudden you're in New York City and you're selling cigarettes out in front of a store because people don't want to pay the taxes on it, and somebody calls the police and they kill you and people riot. We have come full circle. I don't think we solved anything. Sure we did. Here's what we did. We sh- we we shined a light, Stacey. We shined the big light of liberty on if you tax too- if you tax people too much, bad shit happens, right? Whether it's an estate tax or whether it's a tax on cigarettes. My buddy, who will remain nameless, he hasn't bought cigarettes at a store in ages. He buys them off the black market. There's a guy who drives around in a van and you buy them from that guy. He buys old <laughs> cigarettes. Well, I mean, you know, we might not be our own country if it wasn't for that gosh darn tea tax. Do 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 do, and taxation, no representation. That's why I'm working on a little. Uh, I'm working on the the super white version of Hamilton. Oh, cool. We already have that. <laughs> it's called 1776. 
And by golly, that was a swell show. Why do they? Why don't they do a revival of that one? That had a, some real toe tappers in it. <laughs> do we have Michael Topias? Are we, we out of time? We have Michael Topias. We 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 always have time for Michael Topias. All righty. Who's going to go for here's I'm going to explain Michael Topia and then we're going to go around the horn. Andrew, do you have one? I have a couple. Stacy, do you have a couple? Oh, I have one. All right. I think I have one. It's going to be incredibly boring. Uh I don't think it's a great one, but it'll be a good one. Ooh, I think I just wrote another one as I was talking. But here we go. Michael Topia. Here's what Michael Topia is, ladies and gentlemen. The real world is crazy and it doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. But in Michael Topia, there's a different set of laws, there's a different set of rules, and in Michael Topia, life is wonderful. So this is our uh weekly endeavor into the new rules of Michael Topia. Andrew Apple, what do you got? All right. In Michael Topia, we do not tag people in posts willy-nilly, be it our friends that we're posting in a Facebook post or if you're posting about Princeton professor Andrew Apple, whose name is spelled just like mine, who hacked a voting machine and continually tag me in the post. I didn't hack a <laughs> voting machine, so please stop <laughs> tagging me. Oh, Andrew, I'm so sorry. Andrew, here's what I want to know. Why did you hack the voting machine? You know, Michael, this is why Facebook and Twitter are dying. Uh, it is scary, uh, Facebook and Twitter. But yeah, uh, but, but did the guy hack the voting machine really easy? I saw one the other day on the news where it was, it was insane. It, it was. So he paid $82 to buy the voting machine, and there were four ROM chips that had the operating system on it. They weren't even welded in. He was just able to pluck them out and replace them with his own chips, and it had a whole new operating system he could control remotely. Dun, dun, dun. All right, let's watch out for voter fraud. Let's watch out for that. Stacy, hit me with a Michaeltopia. In Michaeltopia, when people win medals and have completely outrageously awesome Olympic performances, we're not allowed to use it as an opportunity to divide people by race. We should just celebrate. What happened? Oh, um, both our gymnasts, both the Simones, the swimmer and the and the gymnast, who are just phenomenal athletes. It should be a role model to every little kid. You know, they work hard. They they faith, family. I mean, their stories are just tremendous. All of a sudden, it became about black girl magic. No, they're just awesome, and I want my little boy to look at that and say, "Hey, let's see what hard work and and dedication can do." It's not about that. Let's just be American. I swear, this is like, I'm one of those people who believe that actions speak a lot louder than words. I'm a big uh, comic book uh, geek. I'm a big nerd guy. I like that show, The Flash, on the CW, which I think now is going to CBS. No, no, and you, you has, got it backwards. Supergirl was on CBS, and now it's going to the CW. But I think I think they're going to put The Flash on CBS. No, no, it's staying on the CW. Now they have four superhero shows on the CW. Oh, okay. I know... Uh, I, I I have we'll, we'll see what happens. I might be I might be speaking out of school here. Anyway, I like the 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 racial diversity on the Flash, and I love the fact that they never shine a light on it. Right? You just watch it, and this guy's uh, foster dad, who loves him very much and looks out for him, just happens to be a black guy. And I love that the love interest just happens to be a black girl. No one ever talks about it, not because it's taboo, but because it should be so normal that you don't have to talk about it. It's just life. 
Exactly. Yes. And like, I find myself like literally watching the Olympics and I get such a great sense of pride in our country when I look at the, the, the kids getting their, their, their medals and you see diversity. That is awesome. That says everything. You don't have to start shining a big light on it and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't agree with your Michaeltopia more if I tried. Well, I have another one. Well, hold on. I got to do my Michaeltopia. Okay. In my Michaeltopia, uh, we're bringing back the nude Olympics, right? This started as a naked event back in Greece in the day. And I tell you what, it would be more fun to watch if they were naked. I watched that beach volleyball and I like it. I think let's just go full on naked. Everybody across the board. Take that, burka wearing fencer girl. <laughs> oh my God. But would you have to be naked or would be be yes. naked optional? Yes. No. No, it's not clothing okay. optional. It's straight up naked. Hey. Well, in my Michael Topia, Anthony Weiner is perma banned from all dating websites. What happened now? Um, apparently he got catfished by some young Republican male and sent some pretty racy messages. What is Anthony? Here's what I want to know. What does Anthony Weiner want to do? What does Carlos Danger want out of a out of a potential sex partner, some anonymous sex partner? Dirty pictures. Um, I really don't know. But the fact that he can't stop doing it just makes me look at the relationship between Uma Abedin and Hillary Clinton and go, oh, I get it. You two have a lot in common. You're both married to absolute kvetches. <laughs> well, like, and I, this is horrible. This is just like, this is, I'm like, does, what's wrong with Huma Abedin? Like, she looks like she'd be down to do a lot of weird stuff. Like, what? Oh, right? my God. Like, I don't look at Huma Abedin and think there's somebody who probably doesn't enjoy sex. Like, something is really wrong with Anthony Weiner, right? Oh, yeah. He can't stop. So, I, in Michael Topia, he is perma-banned from all dating and hookup websites. Well, he should be perma-banned from using a, uh, a fake name. Like, he should still be allowed to go out there and troll if he wants to troll. But uh, somebody needs to let Huma d know. And is she going to leave him? At what, point, at what point does she say enough is enough? Well, I mean, at I this point, it's clearly a loveless marriage at this point, And it's just a marriage of convenience. And that's the only reason that they're still together. Well, I tell you what. I feel bad for Huma. Huma? Huma? Huma. 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 Mm -hmm. All right. In Michaeltopia, there is no estate tax. In Michaeltopia, we know that rich kids growing up are not going to turn into some new monarchy. They're going to be spoiled little brats who will lose that money on gambling and drug addiction the old-fashioned way. <laughs> See the Kardashians. Yes. We have examples. I tell you what, a few years ago, uh, Mr. Hilton, the, uh, decide, he told it, he decided to tell his family that when he dies, it's all going with him and, and no one's going to get a piece, right? And I tell you what, Paris Hilton, she has got to be thanking her lucky stars that she had her little perfume line and her little modeling career because she'll be okay. It's her parents that are going to be shit out of luck. Well, and I think Bill Gates has said the same thing. Yeah, Warren His girls Buffett get very little. Mm -hmm. How mad would you be? How mad would you be if your parents were like billionaires and they're going to make some social economic point by not giving you any money? 
Well, I mean, honestly, I love my parents and I look at them and, and they did okay. And, you know, they're, they're comfortable, but I want them to spend it all before they die. I want them to have fun. They worked really hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who, you know who died? You know who died dead even? Who? Walter, Walter Matthau. When he really? died, he was like straight up. He had paid all his credit cards, his house, everything had been paid for, but he had like zero money in the bank. He tied it out perfectly. <laughs> oh my God. My favorite Walter Matthau, Grumpy Old Men. I loved that. Oh, no, no, no. You got to go back farther. Walter Matthau, Bad News Bears. Oh, yeah. No, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Walter Matthau, the original uh, voice of Homer Simpson, was uh, Hank Azaria, or no, no, what's this guy? And Dan he was doing Castanella. a Walter Matthau. And, yeah, if you go back and look at early Simpsons, he sounds like Walter Matthau. Come here, boy. Yeah. Well, also in Michaeltopia, John Cusack is not allowed to block me on Twitter because he's a foaming mouth liberal. I have watched ev- that guy's movies over and over and over again, only to find out I'm blocked on Twitter. He blocked you? Apparently so. There's lists out there that celebrities can use to prevent themselves from being trolled by right-wing nutjobs. And apparently because I'm somewhat conservative libertarian-ish, I ended up on some of these lists. A bunch of us did. He he blocked our friend Politibunny. Yeah. <laughs> we were all talking about his movies and we went to look at his account. We're like, what the heck? Let's talk about Politibunny for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. She seems like a reasonably intelligent person. She is. What is her plan for America? What is her plan for America? Yeah, like what does she hope to accomplish? What does she hope to accomplish? I I would have to say that she is totally with you on taxes. It's like stealing. Um, She's very pro-life, so there's that whole thing. Wonderful. Um, She actually has worked very, very hard and diligently for folks with um, disabilities. Um, Okay, okay. So she's a very good-hearted person. Now, I know she's really big into the whole never Trump thing. Mm -hmm. So she's cool with Hillary. No. Okay. So what does she think is going to happen? Well, that's kind of the issue with the whole thing, because I guess I would say, where where do you go? And I said this the other day because Governor Weld decided to talk about assault rifles. Um. When I'm looking across the across the major parties to include libertarian and green for me isn't there yet. Um, I, I, I'm almost to the point where I'm looking for what I can feel good about and I don't feel good about any of it. See, and what me, I'm really concerned with is the down ballot. So not voting is not an option. So I'm I'm like kind of muddling into November here going this just doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, I because like to me, and this is gonna sound so like Archie Bunker old school uh, hacky. At this point, if if you're like never Trump, you're pro Hillary. I mean, you have to be like you have to have done the math mentally. Everyone no. has to. You have to have done that. I I could never pull the lever for her either. Right. So you, but you. I mean, know, no. A, I, I mean, there are people. There up, are people hold up, out hold there. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. You have to know. Mm-hmm. That if a bunch of people go like it's like the Ross Perot thing. So you, you do the math really quickly, and you know that that Hillary's going to win, right? Uh, so let's get started on the down ballot stuff. Like let's if if that's really uh, and this is goes back to my I've done this before on the TV show. Don't tell me what you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you are going to do. These never Trump people. Let's let's start raising money. Who is the candidate that you support? For congressman, for senator, 
for fucking dog catcher, right? Let's start raising money to help those. If that's truly, if that is truly your intention, let's start doing it. Let's get organized today. Well, and I would say that is absolutely correct. I believe Mr. Rubio needs some help in Florida. I believe Mr. Toomey needs some help in Pennsylvania. Um, John McCain you know, in Arizona. Well, no, John. I honestly think <laughs> Ke- I think I think Kelly Ward is probably going to win the primary there. She was nine points ahead the last time I looked. So whoever the Republican candidate is in Arizona, and I think Arizona is actually still in a pretty good position from a Republican-Democrat standpoint. Let's pour some money into Nevada and get a real win and replace Harry Reid with a Republican. (laughs) That one's neck and neck. We could do that. Let's start doing that. How do we do that? Let's start. How do we how do we turn the never Trump movement into uh, always the down ballot movement? (laughs) <laughs> always the down ballot movement i don't know but that that's like a great a great thing to say um and a great thing to start working for i am extremely concerned about the senate because the senate even if trump is elected okay or hillary's elected the senate is the last stopgap measure to letting the court go too far in either direction so if trump is elected and we have a democratic senate you get more justice kennedys you get more moderates if Hillary wins and we keep the Senate, you still get more moderates than foaming mouth leftists. So to me, the Senate should be the focus of the RNC. It should, I mean, everybody should be really worried about it. And they're not. They're worried about Trump misspeaking at a rally. They're worried about, you know, what he said over here and now is backtracking about. They're worried about, you know, whatever. That election is going to go the way that election is going to go. I don't believe Trump is going to become more presidential, and I don't believe Hillary is going to stop being a lying, corrupt thief. So that just is what it is, but we should be looking to Congress to stop losing from go. losing the Senate. Never Trump, always Congress. That's what you say. Never Trump, always Senate. That's what you say. Well, I also I'm say never Hillary. We need, to, we need to corral this negative energy into something positive. We did. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's my takeaway from this week's show. This is going to be a doozy of a show. A doozy. This is going to be a doozy because I know we've gone on for like a long, long time. But that's what happens at the Loftus party. You get too much damn information. That's our problem. That's our sin. <laughs> I have had a lot of fun today. I have had a lot of fun today, and I think we have answers. That's my big takeaway. Uh, if it's going to be never Trump, it's got to be always down ballot. We need a cooler name. I'm still I'm, I'm still going to play around with the name. I'm going to work on the new hashtag. You guys, uh, it was awesome. Now, I know, Andrew, you've got some exciting news about about your podcast. Yes, actually. Uh, actually, by the time you're listening to this, it'll already be posted. We actually had one of the writers for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Mike Socio, come on, have a great conversation with us. You're going to learn a ton of amazing stories about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, if that's your thing. So come on over. Head over to SoFreshSoPrince.com. He has got some pretty cool Will Smith stories, that Mike Socio. Yes, he does. I like that guy. I like the guy. Let let the record show that that I that, that it's highly entertaining. It's highly entertaining. Stacy, what do you got going on? Oh, I've got this little thing called theloftestparty.com, which is going through a huge makeover. What? That's crazy what? talk. Crazy, That's crazy talk. talk. So people are going to go by the website and they're going to see something new. What? Pretty soon we'll have a big big announcement. I'm- 
But the uh, Daily I'm Dose excited. is staying, so you'll be able to learn about virtual reality sex toys like you did today. And, um, yeah, content similar but much more impressive. You know what? Uh, many moons ago, I was on the show called uh, World's Dumbest. It was on True TV. And this was probably six years ago in Japan. They always get the weird stuff out of Japan. They had this interactive kissing machine somebody had invented that was it was hooked up through the internet and it had sensors on it. It was a pair of fake lips. You would kiss the lips at in like Seattle and someone else had one of these little kissing machines and they would hold it up to their face in like uh, Nagasaki and the pressure you put on yours would be the pressure that they put. They're working on this stuff. No, no, not, it's, you it's need to go science fiction. You need to go check your daily dose because it's kind of like that, only different. <laughs> Let's just well, say it's not about the lips. It's, it's, it's not about the lips. Oh, uh, isn't uh, it always about the lips? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a romantic. You guys, it was a great show. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Loftus Party. Go to theloftusparty.com. Go to So Fresh, So Prince. Just do it all. Go out there and have a life. Uh, have fun, America. Life is short. And if you don't stop every once in a while, you're going to miss it. I'm doing Ferris Bueller now. I love you. See you next week.